to the Skeptic Wire. from last week's musical episode. <laughs> Skeptic Wire. Skeptic Wire. Skeptic Wire. Yay, that kind of worked. <sighs> totally unplanned. All right, so welcome. Welcome to 163. Uh, 163 is a special number. I'm not certain how, but um, it is. Could it be prime? Pos, 6, so, 7, 8, 9, 10. Could be. It's not divisible by 3. <laughs> One moment, let's just, while we're at it, Google that shit. Google break! Yeehaw! Google break. Google break. Google break. Google break. Google break. We have a lot to look forward to in a few weeks. <laughs> yes. The next, the the next, next few weeks are going to be crap. In the next, <laughs> next three, we are not prime uh, recording okay. material. <laughs> right. We Today challenge our, our listeners to go and listen through all our podcasts and do a full analysis to see if our prime-numbered episodes are better than our non-prime number episodes. Like number one, for example. <laughs> <laughs> or two. Or three, three. Or five. Or seven. Bad example. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about on average. At least now we're up towards 163. We got enough power of numbers to uh, maybe skew that. No, it's all crap. Yeah, because yeah, it all it all is reduction to the mean. Don't and we're to, we're fairly mean people. Yeah, you don't have to be mean to me, Gary. No. You don't <laughs> have to. Don't, you are anyway. Yeah, exactly. but I don't have to be. I know that. You just enjoy it, so <laughs> something of that. So, how's everybody been? Uh, how, how, how have you been, Greg? What the you, fuck are you people doing been, in my house? Been, <laughs> Who are you? I know, it's been so long, I'm not quite sure how we got here. Yeah, I understand this is a microphone. In fact, this is a microphone I have. Oh, Gary, I'm pretty sure you know what microphones are, <laughs> considering the stress over the last couple of weeks that you've been... I, I was doing less with microphones than sitting in front of a computer mixing. Oh, uh, okay. I thought you had to do ADR at the last I, I did. I did some ADR, okay. yes. Yes. Uh... My, my favorite one being I was I was a DJ, and it's it's kind of low in the mix, but uh, I'm basically leading into uh, a, a song, obviously. So ending one song, leading into another song that's going over. Ladies dialogue. and gentlemen, lo- welcome Sapphire to the stage. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. It was, it was a radio DJ. And, oh, okay. And uh, I, I came up with uh, that was I, I don't remember the name of the song, but it was. Shit. I can't remember anything about it. Anyway, all I remember about that is that uh, the band was known for their long socks and banshee costumes, and they'll be back touring live as soon as their singer comes back from uh, chasing Chupacabra. And this is all buried deep in the mix, so you're not going to hear it much anyway. You, no, you, you can actually hear it, but it's it's right after a big sha, and then silence, and so... Fades in. And, yeah, 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 so it's right there, but... I was amused. 
No one else. No one else laughed at it. <laughs> I smiled. Yeah. Yeah. So it was right at the beginning. Right. You guys had a premiere for this movie that you guys Sunday. have been working on. Yes. Yeah. We survived. Yep. That's all I'm going to say. All dresses and bow ties and tuxedos. No, I, I was. I was in a suit. I was assuming you were in the dress. Donna was in the tuxedo. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> I did wear black and white. You wore a very pretty dress. Donna. Thank you. I believe someone commented, you clean up nice. Yes. I got many backhanded compliments that <laughs> night about how pretty I looked when I put my mind to it. <laughs> Literally was told that by somebody. That's... I was all like, "Yeah, bitch. <laughs> And the worst part about it was, is that I knew something else was going to happen that night, and I couldn't say shit about it. So. Is this so something you can tell the listeners yes, about? Yes, the marriage proposal girl is the one who said, you look so nice when you put your mind to it. And she, and she couldn't say, yeah, well, you're getting proposed to. <laughs> and you look just, like you're wearing a burlap sack, asshole. <laughs> I, I smiled, and I said, you know. It's a red carpet. I know how to dress for the occasion. You use the tools you have. Because I sure as hell I'm not wearing all of that shit when I'm working on a set. Right. No! It's, it's Though I do appreciate you wearing it to the podcast. Yeah, well, nobody yeah. sees me here other than no, you No, no, we always get dressed up for the show. Wink, wink. Come on, guys. Yeah, right. But you guys I'm... don't. I'm totally tuxed out. Yeah, Bow tie, suspenders. It's like and a bloody penguin. Matching. Basically cock naked sock. with. Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm. Um, well, I'm thinking that's leading us into a birthday because we're. Sure, to move okay. Along. Speaking of naked birthday suits. There you go. That's. Yes. Good. Segway. Segway. You're a little out of practice, but not too bad. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the guy who made this segway committed suicide by riding a segway off a cliff. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, <laughs> I, I didn't Completely think that he committed. I didn't think that he think, committed suicide. Well, I think he, he died. Yeah, he died, he died. on his Segway going, going over a cliff. cliff. Yes, I believe it was an accident, but you know. oh, okay. Well, I think that's how the police ruled it. We'll never know. Boating accident. Yes, <laughs> Donna. Well, that's the that's the plot to the third season of House of Cards. That's right. Damn it! Now you've spoiled it. I know, I know. But people listening to this three years from now. Because we'll still be going, apparently, and uh, just as popular. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how prophetic I really was. Or pathetic. All right, so sure. um, the... How do I... Hmm. Birthday? No, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure it's out how to, how to describe the person. Yes, very good, Gary. It's Animal, vegetable, or mineral? <laughs> Were they a vegetable at the end of their life? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, the person whose birthday it is today was born uh, May 22nd, 1930. Grew up in New York. Um, graduated at Bayshore High School out in Long Island. But uh, very famous for living on the other side of the country. Politician. Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, no, he wasn't born no. in New York. <laughs> no, he was born in Austria. Very, very, That's his very New York accent. Thick accent, yes. <laughs> He's actually in the witness protection program. <laughs> okay, 1930. Uh, McCarthy. 
No, he so um, no. he ran several times unsuccessfully for a uh, what is it uh, city board of supervisors position, but finally got elected and then was only in office for about a, less than a year. Okay, Donna's got a big smile on her face. Uh, I, you have it, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I have it. Okay. Um, do you want to give Gary one little clue to see if he can get it? Um, <laughs> yes, hold on. Because I want to get the quote right. Is there a quote? Yes. He has a very... He has, fa- he has lots of he quotes. He has a very famous... Very, very famous quote. No looking at her monitor to Gary. Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He yes, was anybody a- who has a quote, it must be Mark Twain. Yes, it's all Mark, Mark Twain or Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Abraham Twain. Mark Lincoln. <laughs> Isn't that a car? <laughs> Samuel L. Lincoln Clemens. The star of the Avengers. Okay, why, why don't you give me a quote since she's still looking it up? Well, I figured I'd edit this shit out. Oh, okay. Donna's the one who has to leave early, so it's a, it's her time that she's killing. <laughs> it's yeah. your time you're wasting. <laughs> oh. Politician from the West Coast, California. Yes. Yes. You know what? I'm I I, I cannot find the quote. He uh, recently made a movie. About him. From 2008. 2008. He was um, killed while in office. Starred Sean Penn and Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. The- Pil- Josh Brolin played what? his killer, <laughs> who was infamous for getting off via the Twinkie defense. Oh, my San God. San Francisco politician. Nope. No, no, I'm sorry. Just Harvey that. Milk. Oh, yes. Harvey Milk. Very, very good. And uh, so, uh, Harvey, I, funny enough, I just saw I saw a thing about him today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because it's because it's his birthday. <laughs> Odd coincidence that Gary, huh? Shit. Okay. So yeah, like I mentioned, he's a politician, and he was um, he was pretty vehement about fighting for individual rights, small businesses, and that kind of stuff. And that's all political stuff, and that's all fine and good. And yes, the three of us are fairly liberal people, so that's why you know I kind of. Uh, celebrated gay martyr might be brought up on the show but there's also other skeptical related stuff involved in harvey milk's life as donna mentioned uh he was uh killed while in office by what the hell is his name uh dan white he was as donna mentioned he was killed almost ironic white white milk but um Now I can't edit that out. I have to leave in your stupid joke. Okay. <laughs> As Donna mentioned, he was killed by an, uh, an office by Dan White. His defense attorney went for the, quote, di- diminished capacity defense, which he explained by saying he's a good, fine person. He usually eats healthy, but he went on a junk food binge the day before, and that made him crazy enough to kill. And apparently that worked with the jury, who also happened to be basically all white Catholics, and and ver and and all straight people, they dismissed all the gays and any ethnic minorities. So sure, they were all very you know, sympathetic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> very sympathetic with this, you know, Irish descendant ex policeman kind of guy. So the the idea that people who are of their right mind and know what they were doing ahead of time, this was fully premed- premeditated. Dan White 
went in through like a basement window of City Hall so he could consciously avoid the metal detectors. It's not like he went in guns a blazing or anything like that. And he walked up to the mayor's office, got an argument with him, shot him a few times, walked out down the hallway, had an altercation with um, Harvey Milk and shot him five times, reloading in between the two shootings. He knew what he was doing. He was of sound and mind and body. He was not schizophrenic or just out there or anything like that. So just an angry man. The idea of this diminished capacity Twinkie defense has since been kind of derided as kind of the 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 tactics that lawyers may use that don't may follow the letter of this diminished capacity law, but don't really make any sense. And didn't make a, sen- a lot of sense to the public who uh, had uh, riots the next couple days yeah. after Mr. White was let, let off. So uh, that's a skeptical topic, but also... But of course, your diet can can affect the way you think. True. But not to that extent. You're st- right. You still should be responsible what you do because oh, they, well, absolutely. they gave White like seven and a half years five with good behavior and he got out in just under five years now he apparently committed suicide by car uh by uh carbon monoxide uh inhalation within a year after being let out but that was probably other problems uh there was also um a campaign while uh before he became one of the um city selectmen of san francisco there was a governor's campaign where um, there was the governor was really pushing kind of the conservative agenda following uh, various victories around the country for anti-gay legislation, basically knocking down um, equal protection kind of ordinances and stuff like that. So this governor whose name escapes me, oh, Briggs, John Briggs, he was running for governor and as part of his um, campaign to bring out the conservatives to the ballot box, he suggest he had Proposition Six, which people called the Briggs Initiative, which essentially would have made firing gay and lesbian teachers mandatory. Nah, because because this was post McCarthyism, right? Uh, this was yes. late seventies, around so, seventy eight, yeah. mid, mid to late seventies. Yeah, but it's, it's that kind of uh, thinking. Yeah, it was it was all the ideas of that that basically all gays are out to abuse your children, to recruit your children into the homosexual agenda, and that they're all pedophiles and stuff like that. Fortunately, Harvey Milk, having been campaigning for stuff, this was kind of in between various things that he campaigned for, uh, went statewide, constantly debating Mr. Briggs on oh Briggs, sorry, constantly debating Mr. Briggs on this proposition, and brought out raw and actual numbers showing that um, pedophiles were mostly identified as heterosexual and had nothing to do with homosexuality. Hmm. And, you know, would have quips of saying things like, if teachers were all about um, imitating their teachers, they wouldn't be gay. Most of them would probably turn out to be nuns because there are probably more nun teachers than there are gay teachers. So, you know, the, the idea of this legal proposition saying that gay should not be teachers we see the same kind of thing even still nowadays of gay people should not get married or even more importantly shouldn't be parents because people still think that gay people are out to rape children or anything like that and it has nothing to do with each other so he did fight for 
besides the fact that it was his community and his agenda, he did fight for rational, actual scientific thought in, well, these are the numbers. Gay people are not on a majority pedophiles and stuff right. like that. Hmm. And the, the, the last thing I would bring up on, on him is he is a bit of a kind of a liberal martyr. He was kind of gunned down in the height of his popularity. So kind of like Kennedy, we don't know how they would have kind of change the changed, political landscape. Yeah. Or, you know, the, 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 just the fact of their killing meant they will be remembered maybe more than they would have otherwise been. Sure. He did have a lot of um, good messages of coming out, which us atheists have adopted as well. I, he didn't start it, but he really pushed it. Um, he gave a lot of quote hope speeches which is essentially the it gets med better mantra of you come out and you help the kid who's a runaway from San Antonio who doesn't who thinks they're alone. Sure. If you have lawyers and doctors and teachers coming out, you show that gay people are just humans too. So that's that's more of why I I selected Harvey Milk as this week's birthday of the week. May 22nd, 1930 is when he was born, and when he was gunned down was November 27th, 1978. I believe in San Francisco, May 22nd is Harvey Milk Day. Uh, he's also had... You would, you would think so. I, th I think it's the 22nd. <laughs> I, I don't think it's the day that he was killed. That would be killed. today. Yes. <laughs> so, that's it. Harvey Milk. Anything else to add? I ranted mm -hmm. there for about 10 minutes. No, that's fine. I, I, I'm not really familiar with Harvey Milk. I, I know that... There was the movie, and I think um, wasn't there like a uh, what the hell? The there was a comic, documentary. You know, there's a documentary, but there's also like a comic book, uh, graphic novel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which I think inspired the movie, but whatever. Probably there was there was originally a biography of him called The Mayor of Castro Street, and he was he basically kind of took on that mantle and represented his district pretty heavy. Um, but um, which inspired the documentary, which eventually led to the movie by Sean Penn. So it was kind of the other way around. But <laughs> I think I see the joke that you were alluding to earlier. <laughs> yes, I was worried about this transition to the next topic. Yeah, right. <sighs> so we have an update. <laughs> yes, let's just... On, on a story... <laughs> involving circles. Involving circles. But it's been last year. Sure, let's go with that. Uh, I we could, have yet to build a database archive of all yeah, our shows and all the could, topics. Couldn't tell you what, but um, at some point in the previous show, uh, we had talked about a study. Sometime in the last, last 162 weeks. Right. We, we had talked about a, a paper that was talking about fairy circles. And fairy circles are these things that happen basically in, in desert-type areas, but any, anywhere where there's uh, More grasses, arid. More arid. arid. Yeah. The grasslands of Nambia. Yes. Nambia or Namibia? Namibia. <laughs> I wanted to sound all grand, and I ended up sounding like a schmuck. <laughs> the grasslands of Nambia. <laughs> Thanks for that frontier gibberish. <laughs> okay. So, so these are... These are circles that kind of grow outwards, and in, inside these circles are are dead, arid places right. uh, in the grasslands. So they're almost like a mini crop circle. Yes, that's exactly what they are. But yeah, they're just, literally just, with, just a circle. They're not like the intricate patterns we've seen from crop yeah, circles. Yeah, and there's no crops within these circles. They're 
or depleted. Right, or it's dirt. Yeah. The important thing is they're both circles. Yes. But the scientists uh, and other folks have had a hard time explaining why these happen, why these occur, and what's going on. And previously, we had talked about some scientists coming up with the hypothesis that they were caused by termites. Uh, and I, I thought that in this area that termites build those giant mounds. Well, maybe different species do different things. Well, they do. Yeah. That's exactly. I mean, obviously in the United States we don't see these huge giant mounds of, of termites. Mm -hmm. They tend to get in the walls and then make the house. The, the idea here was that a colony of termites basically would kind of go outwards from their central place and eat all the roots. Right. right. And so it was like a root-based termite as opposed to a tree-based termite exactly. or something like that. So a new study is calling that into question simply because it's far too regular. I mean, if you, if you look at it, it works a little bit like kind of like ringworm does. Right. Um, the, we've always known that the circles themselves are regular, right? But the the new thing is based on all the circles altogether. Yes, being regular. Okay, right. And, and so they, so based on just that fact, and the fact that there's no known procedure or method <laughs> for ants or termites to work in this very symmetric manner, they're dismissing so it might be the kind of thing where like a, a termite colony would send out like a new queen in a random direction and start a new colony and that may happen but it wouldn't lead to this essentially regular polka dot pattern right of of very symmetrical pattern going outward it it would be little different clusters and clumps of circles if it was termites is what they're saying uh sure but also just they just don't tend to work in in a circular manner. Okay. If, if you yeah. look at an ant mound or a termite mound, it is almost chaotic. There's method to the madness because they have to, you know, they have to cool and they have to. They have, there's a lot of things that has to happen for the colony to survive. But they, but to do that, it, it's not like they set up mm -hmm. a space station and they work out from there. You know, they they go down and they they have to work with the materials given like. The ground, so they go through soft dirt here and there. They mm -hmm. build large chambers to cool things off and to allow airflow, and that it just doesn't work in a circular pattern. Okay, so where where I was making the point about just circle distribution of the multiple circles, you were saying even in one circle, right? They that termites or ants aren't going to go okay. in a perfect circle. I right. think what he's saying is is that the whole concept of a circle is foreign to they don't start small and spread in an equidistant manner right. mm -hmm. they it in and of itself due to ground formations or minerals or whatever there's a lot of things that are going to be into play into building the mound right additionally it's not going to spread in a patterned yeah, yeah i was focusing mostly on the distribution of multiple circles where I just completely missed the point of even a circle would not make a lot of sense with termites. Right, exactly. So uh, it looks like they're back to the drawing board on that. And like, like I said, it kind of works a little bit like ringworm, which is <laughs> which is not a worm. Uh, it's a fungus that grows on, on dogs. I think it's a fungus. Dogs, bacteria cats. Or something. Yeah. And it grows out in a circular manner. But, of course, when it hits a, 
a harsher patch, you know, it'll be less circular. But it tends to, so it, this kind of looks like ringworm for Earth. Sounds like the scientists are going back more towards the, it has something to do with this species of grass that is growing here, that it grows out in the circular pattern to essentially, um, as efficiently as possible, share the water. Then other circles don't infringe on that circle because they have a distribution pattern as well. Yeah, yeah. so it could, could well be. Uh, so I'm looking forward to them figuring this shit out. And then the next study will say, no, no, it really was termites. And back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Exactly. Like a couple of dogs fighting in a circle. Yeah. Now, uh, to, to be fair, on the original hypothesis on this, they did find termites underneath the soil in, right. in some of the circles. Even but most in, would, yeah. would still not fully explain it. Correct. Right. I think they said that that particular species of sand termite, the... Samtornis alerceris lives in a majority of the patches. Right. So, but I mean, it's Africa. Trust me, there are termites everywhere. Been there, done that. So. <laughs> that's true. I mean, you don't know if the original researcher who said, well, let's test the soil that's inside these circles. They, we don't know if they took an equal number of samples outside the circles. Because if a majority of the samples outside the circles also had the termites, then okay, that doesn't then the termites aren't an explanation either it had to kind of be either or yeah damn it damn it exactly this is why you should always read the original paper <laughs> and not necessarily depend on the science writer at yeah. well discovery. we we read this off of live well i read it off of live science because i think discovery got it from live science Incorrect. or something like that they're usually fairly reliable but even with a story like this, when you go to a reliable site or even have one reliable paper, you, right. you just because you've read run one paper does not mean that you've proven what you're reading. Exactly. You have to look at the whole uh, swath of research and make grand hand gestures like I'm doing. Which goes uh, comes across well on a, on a podcast. Yep. Yes. Uh, you should put swishing sounds to swish, swish, exactly. swish. Right. So, speaking about ringworms on dogs, no. <laughs> that makes no sense. Speaking of, don't just read one study. Ah, there you go. <laughs> uh, there's an article on io9 from... I think it was March 13th. I don't have the date on here. Harpo, go away. No. I have the 12th. The 12th of May. Okay, so the 12th of May. It was filed to Harpo, statistics. No. She knows we're talking about her. <laughs> you don't even suffer from black dog syndrome. I know. Well, okay, then I'll get into the topic this way. <laughs> when I decided a few years ago to adopt a dog... I knew that older dogs are harder to adopt because everybody, sure. all the families go in, they want to adopt a puppy, which sometimes makes sense. You have a young kid, you want a young puppy, so they raise together and the dog doesn't pass away doesn't when they're die. five. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so older dogs are traditionally pretty hard to adopt, and that seems to be a truism for various reasons. Another kind of assumption of shelter workers is black dog syndrome 
which essentially is like the same thing with older dogs, that black dogs, for whatever reason, are less likely to be adopted out or take longer to adopt out. See, uh, I thought we were talking about that crappy Patrick Swayze movie that had meatloaf in it when, when you suggested we read this. There's a movie called Black Dog? Yes, it's really bad. It's about truckers. You see this mysterious black dog on the road, and it's bad. It's just bad. <laughs> just trying to rip off uh, Cujo or something like that, I guess. Never seen it. Couldn't nope, say. no idea. But we—it's Patrick Swayze. Come on, it's <laughs> him kicking people's butts. Only this time from the front of a big ass eighteen wheeler. If you need to see Patrick Swayze kick anybody's ass, just go watch Roadhouse and be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> so this this idea that black dogs are harder to uh, adopt has pretty much been a, an assumption for a long time so eventually various science organizations said all right well let's look into this one is it true but also two if it is why so they did various surveys including some studies like uh, in the midwest they basically gathered all the records for a year for this for the shelter and they said dark coated dogs were basically negatively correlated however you want to say with length of adoption um they've 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 done this in multiple cities multiple areas but on the other hand you also have a study of a los angeles shelter where they tracked thirty thousand dogs and found that dogs were a little bit more likely to be adopted than other dogs and New York Shelter, a, a different study, said that they had a shorter stay. Black dogs had a shorter stay than other dogs. Um, it seems to be the evidence is mixed there. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and part of the thing I, I got from it, it, it also depends on on who's giving the data. Because it could be if you're not in a more high-end high type of area that maybe black dogs aren't because people have lighter furniture, you know? <laughs> that essentially people in Los Angeles are trying to match their dogs to their couch? Sure. No. Or well, their purse? Yeah. If you have white furniture, you don't want a black dog. Yeah. Because it's going to leave yeah. hair everywhere. <laughs> right. So okay. it, it may actually vary regionally, this sure. black dog effect. Well, that's... Or it may just be regression to the mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, because you have... If you look at the studies that the the author points out you know more rural areas or more i i want to say i guess laid back because los angeles and oregon much more laid back than like say new york or something they're like yeah we adopt whatever you know <laughs> but there's also the correlation of size you know yeah. not everybody's going to want a big black mastiff okay let's right. just Put that out there because they did find some things like for some reason black poodles are more like way more likely to be adopted than other poodles and that may be related to to people wanting to adopt the pure breed first right even though pure breeds have a lot of health problems they're just we americans have an obsession with the purebred dogs and all that so oftentimes the breed is important people are going and looking for a labrador and black maybe, labs are a popular they're, breed they're fairly popular and and you know there's also chocolate and yellow but they're just as popular where maybe a rottweiler because they're all mostly black may be less likely to be adopted but rottweilers also have 
for lack of better words, a reputation. Exactly what I was saying. Of being a more dangerous breed of animal. The breed may be a confounding factor. Right. And where, things where people are not going to say, you know, you put a little white teacup poodle next to the growling Rottweiler. Which <laughs> one do you want in your house? I'm willing to bet that 90% are going to go, oh, give me the teacup because I could boot him if I have yeah. to. Yeah. You know, as opposed to Cujo, <laughs> who will probably eat me in my sleep. Yeah. Well, it, it really all depends on what the family is going in there for. Because if yeah. they're looking for a guard dog, then maybe they are looking for the black Rottweiler. Some They assume that people are scared by big black dogs, so they look for it. I know when I was adopting Harpo, I was looking for an older dog because I knew about that older dog syndrome, wanting to get an older dog and give it a second home and that sort of thing. But also other concerns for me were doesn't bark a lot and doesn't slobber a lot. And, you know, if I saw a young slobbering puppy that was uh, didn't matter the color to me, I wasn't particularly interested. I was looking for the older dog. That's how I ended up with Harpo. Older, calm, doesn't bark, and doesn't slobber. Well, calm, except when we're recording the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when mentioned. But this whole black dog syndrome has kind of brought up another facet of cherry-picking your studies. Yeah. You know, because you can say, oh, look, black dogs are not adopted, and you can find a study that says that. And I can turn around and go, well, boom, here you go. Here's one that shows black dogs are more adoptable. Right. So who's right and who's wrong is a gray area. It reminded me of that funny segment that got shared a shit ton over the last couple of weeks from John Oliver's new show that HBO the last week tonight, I think it's called, where he basically said, okay, you know, he went on about how it's usually the climate debate at news stations is some anti-science, anti-climate uh, change kind of person. <laughs> okay, okay, not yet. Versus Bill Nye the science guy. It always seems to be Bill Nye versus one other person where if you look at the science and the, and, and the studies and whatever, it's like 97% on the Bill Nye science side and two or three percent on the climate denying side, yet you don't see that in in actual news debates. So he said, "Okay, we're going to make things make sense here." He brought on two other climate deniers to aid the one climate denier, and he had Bill Nye sitting there and brought in ninety six other scientists or people <laughs> or actors dressed in in um, lab coats. Lab coats. Okay. I was thinking trench coats, but that's wrong. That's the mafia. Um, <laughs> And, you know, he... he are, are they not behind the science? <laughs> I don't know. The mafia is neutral on climate change. Well, a lot of them live in New York, New Jersey, which might be flooded, so maybe they're... Well, they're, they're, they're in their shipping, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah teens does. They're, they're pro-science change. So, yeah, I mean, the, we've, we've seen this with climate ch- change, where people assume that it's a 50-50 debate. We see the same argument with vaccinations, that, like you said, you can cherry-pick one study, even if it isn't... Um, what's his face? Uh, Wakefield. Wakefield. Thank you. <laughs> Arguing about it that it, it you can just pick some random study like uh, Natural News does all the time. They'll find one little study that has a tiny effect and blow it way out of proportion, ignoring all the other studies that come out just that week 
about how vaccines don't cause autism, that they help with the HPV and they're not killing our children and, and all that kind of stuff. So it, 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 the, the small story of, well, is there really a black dog effect and is it maybe other confounding factors shows how messy even just number based science can be. Yeah, but the, the, the black dog effect also, or black dog syndrome, whatever they, they call it, it reminds me a lot of, you know, more bad shit happens on a full moon. It's, it's more <laughs> yeah. confirmation yeah. bias than anything else as, as far as, like, because as statistics show that more things don't happen. You just remember it more because you're expecting to see some guy, you yeah. know, stabbed in the eye. Crazy things always happen the two the weeks squirrel. and two weeks following and the two weeks preceding a full moon. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. Lots of shit happens during that time. <laughs> yeah, it's cherry picking, it's rounding to what you want it to believe, like the 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 health ranger type people do who take one tiny little effect and say this proves it for sure. Sure. And and also just um sometimes the studies themselves may not be really showing what they're showing because uh, one of the things the io9 article goes into is the idea of well you're taking a small sample even a los angeles shelter where they're looking at the adoptions of thirty thousand dogs that's still one area you're assuming that sample applies to all of humanity and they did some internet surveys some other scientists did where they took a picture of one dog and they digitally altered its color and they did find that some people responded to the survey saying that they thought that the lighter colored dogs were more agreeable, more friendly or something like that. So there may be some effect there, but that doesn't mean that people won't adopt black dogs. It just means there's this cultural idea that black dogs are scary. And maybe that's what led to that. Like we said at the beginning, it's more about reading more than one study on the subject you're doing and be skeptical even of something you agree with. Right. Be prepared to change your mind. Have an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out. Yes, or not so uh, not so open mind that uh, you don't get your baby girl some uh, cancer treatment. Yeah, that okay. was a horrible segue, and I'm going to draw attention to it. <laughs> we always brought, draw attention to our, our yes transitions, apparently. <laughs> so recently in the news, there is a young girl, Michaela Salt. She is a She's 11 years old. She has been diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Yes. Is she related to Veruca Salt from the uh, I Charlie wish the because then we could, I don't know, Charlie could fix her. We could but... sing the Gene Wilder song and yeah. be happier than the story makes us. Right. And I, I'm going to go into this saying that I've I've had a very difficult time with this article because well, of not, being an anthropologist? Well, not the article. You can read it. Fine. You're okay with that. It's more the implications of the article. There's, I think that there are more implications that are being overlooked by a lot of people um, regarding this in a historical, in a more historical aspect. Right. But I'm sorry I interrupted you, because, and that led us to getting ahead of ourselves. So, 11-year-old girl, girl leukemia. With, right. Acute lymphoblastic leukemia uh, which has a pretty high success rate of being treated but it's a course of two years depends on how you're treated right and my understanding is is that this um her particular brand she or particular type of leukemia is this 
Philadelphia base cell, which has an even less likely to recover, but there's been a new treatment, which has raised it into that, that 50 to 75% range. Okay. So there, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. One of the, that's one of the things that the stories are not saying is, is that she has a rare form of a common cancer. Right. So it's, it's a common cancer that has a pretty good success rate for the broad umbrella of that type. But this is a specific type that right. can be a little bit more deadly, especially if you don't go through with the full treatment. Right. And I think that's part of the problem. That's that going is on. part of the problem. The other part of the problem is, is that she is a First Nation. She is a member of a First Nation tribe, the Ojibwe in Canada, which does lead into culturally and historically a lot more problems. We can sit here and say, you know, if this was our neighbor and our neighbor was saying, no, I want to take her to a faith healer. Mm-hmm. You know, and I hate to say this, coming from a white family, it would be a lot easier to remove this child from her parents. If we hadn't given their ancestors smallpox blankets. If we hadn't given them (laughs) smallpox blankets. If we had not taken their children away from them. Okay, that's a better example. (laughs) Sovereign nations. The United States and Canada has a history of treating First Nation people in how shall we say a degrading and disrespectful way kind of a three-fifths manner right (laughs) worse than that so i understand them saying no we want to do this our way our history our ancestry our stories our medicine men say this is how we treat it i Yes, see, now you see the conundrum that I'm in. I I agree the whole kind of First Nation, Native uh, American thing is a complicating factor, but it would be a lot simpler if they had said, we were never going to use Western medicine at all in this case, because apparently this young woman, um, Michaela Salt, had 11 weeks of chemotherapy, and she was doing pretty well. She was starting to go into remission, and then because she start, started having some pretty severe side effects like nausea, loss of appetite, and weight loss, which are pretty standard chemotherapy side effects, she said that she wanted to stop chemotherapy. But, but, there's, but there's an additional factor. There's an additional factor that while they are First Nation people, she was visited by Jesus who said that she was, I was gonna cured. Get Holy get crap, I didn't read that part. Yeah, there is a... There is, Another article that says... Well, it's in her video. Right. If you watch her video, she says that Jesus visited her and said that she was healed and that God the Creator has the final say over my life. Now, Which is not a First Nation nation, religion. Exactly. (laughs) So this is where it is an entirely complex, complicated... Right. So you have someone who's using the, this is my native medicine defense, when not only first did they not use native medicine they used regular western medicine but now instead of using the full this is my native medicine defense or, or excuse for stopping it either from the parents or the girl that's a whole nother arguing factor they're not even fully using the excuse of we're stopping this because of our 
not to be horribly stereotypical, she didn't get visited by a crow in the middle of the night. Right. Her parents are also pastors. I did not know that. Okay. So, but they are members of Six Nations and the New Credit First Nation. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is a very kind of using a loophole in some ways. They want to follow this Jesus hair pre. They want to follow this lip Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I was saying like hair praying or something like that. They wanted to follow this Jesus prayer healing kind of thing, but because they had the um, easier excuse that other people would accept a little easier than we want to do faith healing, they said, oh, we also happen to be Native Americans, so we're going to go with that. Right. Additionally, in Canada specifically, and I don't know about the United States, but in Canada, the Canadian government, which oversees the healthcare has basically been blocked from examining and looking at the practices that are being used in the Native American First Nation health rituals. So there's nobody in there to say, I mean, for all we know, they're they're it's, digging it, up tree roots and I don't know, somehow making it into chemotherapy or something. Or we it don't could know. be a pathetic drum circle. Right. We don't know and we won't know. Um, because of the way the Canadian laws are written, so not they're even, very pro First Nations. So not even anthropologists are really no. kind of allowed into that inner no. circle or anything like that. No. So we have a system that is saying, "Here you go. We know we fucked you guys over before, so we're just going to kind of ignore everything that's that's kind of going on over here." Where those of us from the scientific point of view are kind of saying. Yeah, but you're allowing yourself to get more fucked up by not treating yourself with actual medicine that we know works. Right. And the hospital staff did actually push, once the video came out, for the girl to be uh, psychiatrically evaluated. They contacted, what was it, Ontario Children's Aid, I think is the organization. And which they were going to, they they were tasked with making the decision of whether or not to remove her from her parents' home and basically force chemotherapy on her or, you know, let her stay in there. And honestly, let's admit this, Probably die, die, yeah. Um, They have sided with the family. She will not be removed. Basically saying that it is in her mental health's best interest to stay with her family. It would be a little traumatic, yes. You know, but... But the argument is, is... Is short-term trauma of being taken out of the home and given another, you know, half a year of chemotherapy and then being alive and going back home with your family as opposed to going back with your family and dying in a couple of years. Right. But the side of it is, is also, and this is a quote from Martin Hill, who uh, the, the people that oversaw the whether or not we should take her in or take her out. Um, according to the United, United Nations Declarations on Indigenous Rights, they do have the right to seek traditional medicine, and it is a protected right for Indigenous peoples worldwide. Yeah. So they are, while I personally don't agree with it, the anthropologist in me is saying it's their right well, it's, it's, to it do be, this. Anybody's right to be able to do that. Uh, but the, the question is, is this... Michaela, the, the the girl, is 
she feels sick and she wants it to stop. I get that. But is she being fully informed on what this means? She says that she feels better, which, of course, going off chemotherapy, therapy, you would probably feel She's better. She's coming off the chemotherapy and she has come into remission, which is both of those are going to make her feel better. Uh, not full remission, but she, the cancer is in retreat because of the chemotherapy, but right. they should continue. Right. Both coming off the chemotherapy and having less cancer is going to make you feel better. Sure. And so, you know, she, so she, she's getting her. I also want to point out cancer. that the chemotherapy did almost, it is one article that I read was quoted as saying that the chemotherapy almost killed her. So ah. like Which, there's, there's a lot of reporting and you have to go to, once again, we're back to what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Lots of different sources because the article that I shared with you guys didn't talk about this Philadelphia chromosomal form of this particular cancer. And then the you article know, another I read article didn't, re- didn't mention the Jesus stuff. Didn't mention Jebus. Jebus. <laughs> well, I think that we should probably uh, test her because at the very least we can see if Jesus was right. Yeah. You know. And that she's fully cured. According to Jesus, she's fully... According, according to her, according to Jesus, she's cured. So... We might as well let's see if yeah. um yeah but the, she's right. eleven of I course understand. she doesn't want to feel bad with chemotherapy she doesn't know any better which is why you have organizations like Ontario Children's Aid to protect the interests of a child when they and the parents don't know any better but yeah. on the other hand there are sometimes it it I know it sounds horrible but we all agree that adults can do whatever they want and if they don't want to do chemotherapy fine. You have the right to die in your own manner. That's fine. And the argument is always, well, maybe the children need more protection. But on the other hand, if their family is not going to protect their children with medicine and they want to go this way, then that's their decision. And the child's probably going to die and that sucks, but that's that's their fault. And my, my point at that point is... Prosecute them. Exactly. Prosecute the parents, yeah. Yeah. Because if you were not fighting for your child, in, you know, if you're not a mama bear and somebody comes to you and says, this is going to save your kid, you know, yes, it's going to make them sick and their hair's going to fall out and all of these other things. But we have, you know, a seven or eight out of 10 chance as opposed to, you know, prayer, yeah. which we know is not going to work but they think it does work which they yeah, think but when it doesn't work you know what that's the time you throw their ass in jail they think it can move mountains and they think that if you just pray hard enough you will get better right and well if you, they'll just pray if the you gay didn't away get, if you didn't get better it's your fault for not praying enough yeah well that's the logic the gay on this world don't believe you and know. if 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 they want to refuse medicine then it's it's a little on the Derwinian side that, fine, you don't want to take medicine, you want to die, fine. No. But like I said, I am of two, two minds on this because there is a part of me that has interviewed indigenous people and I, I've, see, you know, I've seen how historically imperialism and colonialism has continues to affect them in their daily lives. 
And then there's the scientist in me who wants to scream at them and go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know. And unfortunately, you're, it's, it's nigh impossible to convince someone by just kind of yelling at them and saying, no, no, the science works. Because if they've gotten to this point of view that my faith healing is better than science and that's all wrapped up in their worldview... You're attacking their worldview. You're attacking their their intelligence. They think, no, no, I'm smart. I know what could help my child. You're accusing me of being a bad parent, and all the defense, the psychic defenses come up. No, not all the walls. Go not up. like psychic Sally defenses. The Freudian defenses come up, and say, no, you're wrong because you're attacking me. Yeah. Is that Freudian defense? No, Freudian defense is waving around a big pink dildo. Well, you said Freudian defense. I, I know. I, it, <laughs> He's got penis on the brain. Apparently. It was, it was just the first psychologist that came to mind. Okay, the Jungian, Jungian defense. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't really know what that is. Psychological defense mechanisms is what I meant. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, moving on. But I don't know whether Jung would have anything to do with what you're talking about. It doesn't matter. Well, he was well young. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> oh, come on! <laughs> One joke. One joke. That's all you get for the year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he's, he's fairly out of My house, my rules! <laughs> Fine. <laughs> my house next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other news that I wanted to talk about... Speaking about waving giant <laughs> pink dildos around? Uh, well... Speaking about trying to protect children from horrible diseases. Shut up, Harpo! <laughs> um, as, as we know, courtesy of the anti-vaxxers, and not just here in America and, and you know, Western Europe, there is currently a polio scare going on in... Pakistan. Now, part of this is because there was an outbreak and then the government was all like, no, they're just trying to kill us by bringing in these AIDS wor aid workers to give polio vaccinations. So there was a whole big dust up. There, well, was, there was accusations that the vaccine was actually sterilizing people. That it was yeah. sterilizing people, that it was killing people, that it was giving them the polio virus. Which, in a very, 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 very small percentage, it does. Right. But one of the things that, that our government argued against, as literally as aid workers were being killed, was, oh no, these people are trying to help you. Turns in, out... Okay, in a majority, most of them are. Almost all of them are. Right. Even up until this announcement that we're going to talk about. Yes. But we found out that some of those people were working for the CIA. And once again, vaccination stuff was kind of set back. Right. But there was problem. one problem I had with this particular story is, well, let's, let's talk about, let's, Let's go just to the overview. The basic facts. The basic facts were 
there was a vaccination program going on for polio. Yes. The CAA sort of usurped that because they started taking blood looking for bin Laden. Yes. And for other terrorists because they knew they had bin Laden's blood because he had leukemia or something like that. Diabetes. Diabetes, sorry. And so they were actually taking blood to see who might be related to him. And yep. And so, so they, they were actually vaccinating people. But well, then they were using their access to the people to do what they do, which is gather data and look for. And in this situation, it, it had nothing to do with polio. The person who was a Pakistani surgeon, uh, Shaquille Afridi, was doing a survey on hepatitis immunization, which involved taking those samples that, one, he was kind of, it gave him an, an excuse to be in the area for immunization surveys but gave him an excuse to take blood samples which the cia then essentially absconded with sure. with his permission because that's what he was kind of sent in the area to do to confirm we think bin laden's in this area let's see if we can catch any relatives in this blood test right and that basically made a stain on anything to do with vaccination campaigns at, at the same time the vaccine vaccination campaigns in Places like Pakistan and certainly in parts of Africa, uh, and, well, even I think Afghanistan, parts of Afghanistan, mm-hmm. uh, were already under fire by the were, local yeah, government. Because people were going in, they'd vaccinate the children for real, and all of these were real vaccinations. Uh, and then the Taliban or the religious leaders would cut off the arm of the children that got the vaccination. Yeah. Of, of the, the children that got the vaccination and the arm that, that was vaccinated. My argument is, though, that this is a bunch of wrongs and our part in it by using, by going in there under the guise of, oh, look, we're, we're doing vaccinations. Oh, look, we're doing a vaccination study. Right. It's the Red Cross thing. Yeah. It's like hiding weapons under the, the Red Cross trucks. Yeah. Which I think is against international law. You can't I, you can't hide it. Yeah, you can't military stuff in medical supplies. Although, <laughs> yeah, it, the the new rules of warfare, the lack of rules, they don't care. Yeah, using you know using civilians as shields and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's we're not we're not working with the Western method of oh we'll march in a straight line and fire at each other, you know, for king and queen. It's it's a lot. It's now like. Well, it's guerrilla warfare. You might have so organizations. You might have organizations like the Red Crescent or the Red Cross actually following the rules, and maybe the majority of them do. They're not bringing in guns. They're they're just trying to bring medicine and supplies. But then you have a group like Boko Haram who doesn't care about all that, right. and is just blowing up people left and right, kidnapping girls because they went to school. The the rules. There's no rules of warfare, is what you're saying, right. but. That doesn't mean that places like the Red Cross or even the majority of vaccination campaigns are breaking these rules. No. no it just has that. happened a few times and it's been bad enough to soil all the rest of them. And unfortunately, one incident, it only takes one incident, which they've been able to prove has happened and we've now admitted to, for them to now say, look, when they come in here, they're not here to help us. That's the problem. The people it's in like Wakefield. It's just like Wakefield. You know, it's, you know, oh, look, 
they're trying to do all of these things. You know, oh, look, big government, big pharma. Only for them, I mean, these are people that have lived in an oppressive government who've, who've been inundated with this. The West is bad. The West is horrible. All they want to do is kill us. It only takes one incident such as this. And we've now set back vaccinations 10 steps. Right. And, and unfortunately, the UN has turned around, or some general body has said, no, if you are going to Pakistan or coming out of Pakistan, you have to show a polio vaccination record now. Right, because of the further outbreak of polio. Yeah. Now, the reason why we're talking about this is because it's in the news that the White House and the executive branch put out an announcement that... <laughs> Basically admitting to it. Well, the important part of the announcement is we will never do this again. And it's it, it sucks, and hopefully they actually stick to this. But even them saying, you're right, this was wrong because they got letters, signed letters from lots of different public health schools and organizations, stuff like that, to say you need to review this, and it took them like a year and a half to review it. But they now have said, you're right, we will never do this again. Hopefully they stick to us. Unfortunately, the damage is probably already done, even if they do well, follow this well, policy. Of course, it's, it's already done because they're, they've killed vaccination workers, health workers. Yes. I mean, the moment yeah. that happens, you have a problem. And once, once the people who, anybody who wants to do any kind of pro-health thing in in these areas their lives are in danger so the damage obviously is so you think they may go from assuming that all vaccination people are bad maybe doctors without borders comes in they're like sure. shoot them yeah. kill them with fire or someone brings in a bag of rice that's marked gift of the united states right. and they say screw this it's probably poisoned and they dump it down a well Sure. Or, or well, it's well, a bad example. Or, or it's a, you know, it's yeah. got tracking chips in it or whatever. You know, something right. Like I mean, because there is, unfortunately, there is that sort of, how do I, I want, how do I want to phrase superstition? this? Superstition? Well, it's not even in, in, you know, the non-West that we've had those sort of superstitions. I mean, when the Irish potato famine was going on, the English told Ireland that corn coming from America, which we had in abundance at the time, was going to turn them into Native Americans. Okay. And that That's is what literally, <laughs> that is why corn sat in ports mm -hmm. going to rot that could have fed this country that was dying. Okay. There is a long history of Propaganda. Propaganda of, of, here, take your smallpox blanket. It'll keep you warm for the next 37 days that you live. <laughs> and the United States does not exactly have the best history on truth-telling Well, uh, with I, 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 stuff like this. I would say most uh, political bodies during times of duress... <laughs> Because it's not just the United States. The Britain, you know, had a horrible human yeah. rights problems. With, yeah, with Ireland. And, and Yeah, and certainly Germany had 
problems. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you can... Everybody's got problems when they want to expand, and they if you're expanding by, well, the, by the sword, especially, by or, or even by inundating a population and breeding yourself in or breeding them out. Yeah. There's a certain point where you're just not going to be able to argue anybody out of crazy, because even though, yes, this vaccination survey thing was a immoral thing that the United States government and CIA did to fuel this obsession of finding this one guy. But there was already a history of people distrusting Western medicine and Western vaccination workers. There was already crazy in the, in the environment. This just made it worse. Right. It didn't help, but there was already mistrust right. of everything. But, but again, the, the thing that they weren't, the United States were doing vaccinations. They were just using the data collected to try and find something. So it wasn't it wasn't like they were all they were no. doing was going and just taking blood and and doing that. Right. There there was some scientific reason to do that. They just usurped they backpacked onto it. it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, but that I mean as far as I know that's how intelligence is, is done because it's not it's it's basically non-intrusive. Uh, that is unless you're taking twice as much blood as you need and giving half of it to the United States, in which case suddenly. You well, I, th I I think that it's the the slippery slope argument. Well, there is that. Of, sure, sure. You know, I'm, I'm not justifying. I'm, right. I'm just saying, but, but but there's no way to get. You can't get intelligence without going there and getting intelligence. It's not like you can look over in the satellite and just go, "Oh, well, I see what's going on here. Uh, we're not that good yet." Yet. Exactly. <laughs> Their long-range sensors are never going to be able to replace being on the ground. Right. Exactly. So I don't think even yet enters but into But once it. again, I think we're also exactly. looking back into what we were talking about earlier with the black dog study. You've got this Pakistani government who's going, look, they admitted to this. They've tried to kill their own people. Look at the Tuskegee Airmen studies. Look at this. Look at right. that. Da-da-da-da. They can point to a, you know, how shall we say this, a long history of our own internal strife and going, they're doing to them, what they did to them, they're now doing to us. And it, once again, furthers and fuels that anti-West, anti-science that the Taliban has, how can we say, cultivated quite so well. <laughs> It used to further their own aims, and next thing you know, kids in Pakistan are going to be refusing chemotherapy. Yep, sure. exactly. Or accusing Westerners of the the fairy circles are actually landmines. Sure, could, I'm just trying to tie everything. Yeah. Well, fairy into circles a vast are, conspiracy. Fairy circles are a false flag. <laughs> For the assassination of Harvey Milk. There you go. And we've brought it all together. We've tied it all up. Well, I, I, we do have time for another story, which is a, a little bit happier of a story ah, of, yes. of, of the progress of science that can actually do some good environmentally. True. Uh, and that actually has to do with plastics. And we all know, everyone knows, that we like to start out. Plastic bad. Plastics are bad. We've got problems with plastics in the oceans. We've got the, the landfills and, and fires. Just, it's basically getting everywhere. It's being eaten by birds and turtles and stuff and everything's dying. We have the problem of figuring out what the hell it is that plastic doohickey is that Donna's been fiddling with the entire podcast. That's right. 
What the fuck is that? <laughs> it is called a tangle, and it's it's a basically it is a Rubik's cube, a worry stone kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, kind of thing. You can just bend it and twist it and everything else, and it is to help people with severe OCD, which is what I have. Oh, okay. It's not not the bocce balls, but the worry balls or something that you do in the hand. The, yeah. Do in one hand. Yeah, for, yeah. For because purposes. because everybody can hear you playing with your little fingers in the air. Well, I was doing that, so maybe one of you would chime in with the word that I couldn't bring to mind because my mind not. Good. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's a little plastic circle that is jointed about fifteen times. And you can twist it and turn it and make mm-hmm. knots and untwist it and. But we do know that basically, if you, if that piece of plastic broke and you said, "Oh well, there's nothing I can do with this," and you put it in the trash, it would sit in a landfill for another thousand years before it really started not, to breaking yeah, down. Not not degrading. Exactly. And that's yeah. the big problem of all these plastics and chemicals. Of oh, they're floating around the big garbage patch in. Uh, the Pacific, or the uh, there was a news story on NPR the last couple of days about um, Midwestern areas uh, that are around the Great Lakes starting to ban exfoliating kind of uh, uh, beauty oh, the, products. Oh, the little tiny because uh, they've got tiny microbeads. little microbeads in them, which are essentially tiny little plastic balls, <laughs> and those tiny little plastic balls are getting washed out into the Great Lakes, and there's a larger, larger um, percentage of little plastic balls floating around in that ecosystem, which is getting eaten by these smaller creatures, which gets into the larger creatures, and then we have a mercury problem. And then, of course, then we're eating them sushi, thinking they're roe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're about the. They're about now I'm fucking hungry. They're about Thank the size you. of tiny little fish eggs. Yeah, yeah. So I really want sushi. We now. need we need better plastic that's not actual plastic. Right, and. Scientists are on their way to making stuff. They're uh, working on it. Yes, uh, basically uh, sh- shellfish type shells. Uh, the chitin, mm-hmm. chitin, chitin. We'll call it chitin. chitin, not chitlins, but chitin. And and they're making. Um, they, they found that they can create, they can mass produce bottles and plastic type uh, stuff out of this substance. It's because it's about it's about the same thickness. It's about the same sturdiness, but it also biodegrades fairly quickly. They said it's a matter of just a few weeks. Once it's one of those things where you have to get it so that it doesn't biodegrade when it's sitting in a warehouse. Right. But it seems like once it's out in the elements with water and bacteria and all that, that's when it really starts to break down. And apparently, that's within a month. Right. But the, but the cool thing because it's it's organic, so even if it gets eaten, it will be broken down by the body. Right. So it may not be nutritious, but it's not like it's filling up the body and causing a bird to think it's full and then dying of starvation. Right. Which is kind of what's happening with a lot of the... It may actually stuff. be more like eating too much roughage. Right. Exactly. So the interesting thing, of, of course, is that it's still about 10 years out for all of this <laughs> to to come to pass. But it's nice that, that it, has been, it has been proven that it can be done, so it's a matter of, it's a matter of scale. Right. They did seem to say that they're, they were able to scale up pretty, pretty quickly and use the same manufacturing techniques of injection and form the, molding. The, the, right. The, the molding things, which is huge because as long as it's no, not any more sticky 
or or worse than say plastic when it's heated you can just use mm -hmm. what you have you don't have to reconfigure your entire warehouse to, to use this stuff and that's cool yeah yeah one of the institutes actually was able to break down this chitin and then grow a plant in it or at least within, the, the soil that had it in, in there. there was producing plant life right it was it was it turned more fertilized once it really started to break down yeah and it, it, this this chitin is essentially just from shrimp shells or something like that or even just yeah, insect yeah, exoskeletons shrimp. kind of things right. so it's really abundant and probably really easy to either just say all right the factory that is making peeled shrimp give us all your extra shells which give us your shells yeah which may have had some already some uses maybe some high-end beauty product places are right are already using chitin instead of little plastic microbeads you think well it does say that um in the article that i read that some uses for it already include beauty products huh. okay. but um so but maybe more the side effect is that everyone grows an exoskeleton <laughs> no i don't say that do. like it's a bad thing i don't <laughs> but soon soon we'll we'll all be you know scaly and and um yeah. bleeding acid no i don't think we will but no okay it's it's a good progress because first we had plastic that takes a thousand years to break down they had started developing was it uh bioplastics which were basically plant-based on cellulose and stuff like that and that was good but it also took it just did not break down in a landfill but it looks like this is more of a possibility and you kind of got to find that good balance between it can be made like regular plastic and break down, but not as soon as it's given to the postman. Sure. It'd be, it'd be great. But like, like any substance, it'd be great if you could find something that the one thing that can break it down. Right. That it doesn't have to necessarily come, come in contact in day to day life. So, so like, it may be something that's not water soluble, but you introduce a uh, weak vinegar to it or something like that and you just drop it all on a vat and it breaks down and you can reclaim it and essentially recycle it hopefully or let it break down quickly if it's in a um, landfill or something like that and it seems like the second option is what this chitin based process which um, they're calling shrilk because it's a combination of shrimp shells and, and harvey milk silk oh silk products uh, or silk protein They're that right. they use to make this plastic. And it looks like it's that second possibility that it just breaks down quickly and just not too quickly. Yeah. And and mm -hmm. can be used in the same molding process. And, and perhaps this will be, this will teach us to be better with our manufacturing so that we, we have more, instead of things going to a warehouse and sitting there for however long they'll sit there, mm -hmm. it'll just it'll be quickly go from manufacturing to consumer. <laughs> You know, or better yet, just stop buying the freaking plastic bottles and do reusable <laughs> stuff, people. Come on. Maybe this will at least make it so that if you buy a pair of scissors, it isn't contained in that plastic shell that you need scissors to get it out of. Oh, God. I, in fact, just recently I, I got some... That's some... why you use a, a, a can opener. Huh. You can use a can opener on those. Okay. Works better. But what if the can opener comes in one of those clamshell things? I've never bought a can opener in one of those clamshell things. But what if? 
it's the nightmare twilight zone scenario of donna's world <laughs> no trust me my nightmare scenario involves okay, all you can eat us. coconut shrimp buffet <laughs> <laughs> with peanuts yes That's she's gross. allergic folks yeah so gary yes did we learn anything tonight? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Bye, folks. Uh, well, we learned it was Harvey Milk's birthday. I really have nothing funny to say about that. Did I talk too long about that subject? Did I milk it too long? Ah, uh, you could have. Yeah, we sort of milked it. Very good. Are you just... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just a tit. Apparently, we do have one. <laughs> All right. Uh, fairy circles aren't termites. Aren't even of this earth. Maybe, according to the Daily Mail. They did, they mentioned aliens. They might be aliens uh, doing of this. Of course. Never it's read the Daily a- Mail. What's the matter with you, Gary? It, it, was, it was one of the links, uh, you know. Uh-huh. Once did, in a while. If there was a link to jumping off a bridge, would you do that? Yes. I've jumped off a bridge. So have I. <laughs> and yes, all my friends did, too. Well, that explains why <laughs> yeah. guys keep missing episodes. You're jumping off bridges and... Stuff. And stuff. Sorry, man. <laughs> you want to come? It's fun. It's fun. I'll fuck. Yeah. You um, tie a bungee cord to your feet and you just jump. And... Well, you didn't mention the bungee cord part. <laughs> you just said you're jumping off bridges. I've jumped off a bridge into a river before. So have I. But I've done it bungee corded too. I, I've done, yeah, bungee as well. Anyway. Um, black dogs do get adopted or not. No one knows. But they do probably. Maybe. Kind of. Kind of. Possibly. Depending on what you read. Maybe. Uh, cancer should be treated scientifically. Jesus is not a scientist, no matter what the Church of Jesus Christ scientist says. And he most certainly isn't one of the First Nation deities. <laughs> Just a mixture of, like, Native American religion and Latter-day Saints or something. <laughs> yeah, well, well, they did it first. Oh, they must be Mormon! Because he came and talked to the, the indigenous thing. So Proof. Finally, the Mormonism. There we go. Okay. Now Matt and Damn Trey are we... going to have to edit Book of Mormon. Yes, they are. Ah, stupid. Silly ass. Uh, the CIA is no longer into vaccinating people for disease unless those people are the disease, in which case they will attempt either a coup or they'll try to burn out the disease with fire. They will vaccinate with a stinger missile. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or a smart bomb. That sounds like it might hurt. Yeah. And finally, we learned that the chitin is really going to hit the fan real soon, hopefully, and replace plastic <laughs> bottles. And we'll all have exoskeletons, like shrimp and crabs. And so we'll all be SpongeBob's friends. Probably. I went to Maryland once. All I got was crabs. <laughs> no lobster? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Just crabs. That doesn't what? fit the joke. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Well, in Maryland, there's only two seasons. There's crab season and not crab season. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so that's what we learned. And we just learned that there's only two seasons in Maryland. <laughs> Late-breaking news. But okay. So uh, thank you for listening to, finally, all three of us together in, in, the, in the thing. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode, which is us singing at you. We did that specifically for you guys, uh, knowing uh, that you like to hear Greg and I. I didn't listen to it. Anyway. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> so thank you, Greg and Donna, for uh, joining me. Thank you, Gary and Donna, for finally showing up. Thank you, Greg and Gary, for being here tonight. For just being friends. 
Jones. Yeah. And we hope you have a wonderful week, and we shall probably talk with you next week because basically I've got nothing better to do anymore. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Um, did you finish your thesis? No. <laughs> I might want to do that. Yeah, I'm going to do that too. So there we go. All right. Talk to you next week. Bye bye. Talk to Bye bye. Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. 